There's two sections. The first is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then continuing along in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Steve. Now, this morning, I just want to congratulate you for showing up on the first Sunday that we will begin to talk about fasting. These are the Sundays when I just expect like half the church to say, yeah, I got a sore throat. Ah, my alarm didn't go off, whatever. But good on you for being here on the first Sunday of talking about fasting. Now, before we talk about fasting, I want to talk about maybe feasting for just a second. Did anyone realize that last Tuesday was National Cheeseburger Day? A few of you, my daughter did, and she texted me and said, hey, Dad, it's National Cheeseburger Day. We should go to Burgerville. Now, we go to Burgerville because it's the only place that really, when you're talking about fast food and burgers, that offers a good gluten-free option. And, and they were on sale, like $1.79 for this, a cheeseburger. So I was like, sure, let's, let's do it. I don't mind a good cheeseburger. I didn't end up getting a good cheeseburger, but I, I got a cheeseburger. <laughs> and so we showed up there, and I... Uh, we, we, I did my order, right? I want two, cheese, two of these cheeseburgers because I realized they're the small ones, right? They're not like the, the Northwest, like cheddar, Tillamook. It's, it's like the small patty with the American cheese and, and then just a little bit of stuff on top. But So I ordered mine, and I felt like this was good and that with the fries and Coke. So Ali ordered uh, you know, a lettuce-wrapped one, and they said, yeah, okay, and they tried figuring out, they said, oh, actually you're going to have to pay full price for the lettuce wrap because it, the computer can't recognize it. I'm like, what? I said, I said can't you just order like a, a normal one and then talk to the guy in the back and say, just put lettuce on that instead? She's like, no, they're too busy in the back. But apparently, it's a big deal. Like, free burger day or discount burger day is a big deal. So they weren't able to do that. So we paid full price. I've not got no problem. It's like $2. Enjoy your, your lettuce wrap burger. So Brady orders his burgers, and we go and sit down, and we're ready to eat. And, and so then Brady's about to bite into his, his hamburger. And, and again, my kids are, have celiac, so they can't eat any gluten. And I look at it, and he's, I go, he's got a normal bun on his burger. And he had ordered two of them. I was like, stop, don't, don't eat the burger. And that's full of gluten. And so he, he went and ordered another burger. So then I end up with four cheeseburgers. <laughs> I'm like, four cheeseburgers. And, and in my youth, I maybe could have put down three, and so I started, like one and two, but the ones I ordered, I'm fine. I got through three, and I'm like, I, this, is, this is okay, but I'm not feeling great, and so I, I drew the line. I said, I'm going to stop at, at, at four, and, and even though <laughs> it was quite the feast, it, it wasn't a, maybe the best feast, it wasn't the best burger I had, but it, it was a feast nonetheless. Now, when we talk about, about Jesus and we look at the story of Jesus, we see that Jesus was a, a guy who would enjoy a good feast. 
he would go and, and have celebrations like weddings, and he would and participate in all the feasting and all the fun. He would uh, even tell parables about a great feast like we talked about a few weeks ago. When he wanted his disciples to remember them, he took them up to a room and he, he gave them bread and wine and a table to remember him by. He was said to be one who was to be uh, like a glutton and, and one who came drinking and eating, and this is how he was even described by those who, who saw him. So Jesus was was a, a man who enjoyed a good feast. But when we read about Jesus in the Gospels as well, we see that Jesus was also a man who fasted. When we look at Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is about to enter into, into ministry, when he's kind of done just being a normal man and, and stepping into like preaching the gospel of the, of the kingdom, it says that he went out into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And even as he was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness, as he was fasting for 40 days, he said, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what's interesting when we talk about fasting, and there's no shortage of information about fasting out in the world today. Just Google it, right? Or get on Amazon and you have all sorts of websites and blogs and books talking about all sorts of, of fasting, mostly with about health benefits, about weight loss, about how it's maybe good for us in, in our, our bodies. But there, you'll find very little information until you start getting like two to three pages down about the type of fasting that, that Jesus was talking about and that Jesus practiced himself. And what's interesting is that today, even with this uh, revival of, of interest in fasting, most Jesus followers, and myself included, are more comfortable feasting than they are fasting. And correct me if I'm wrong, if, if you have a different uh, approach towards that. And I don't say that to, to guilt myself. I don't say that to, to cause anybody any shame or, or to guilt any of you into the practice of fasting. I say that simply to ask this question. What if we are missing out on one of the most important practices of Jesus? Today, when we read in, in Matthew chapter 6, it's taken from this passage in there that we call the Sermon on the Mount, right? This is when Jesus stood up on the hill and he's, and he's preaching and he's teaching to, to both his followers and all that would gather around. And he's, these are kind of just a compilation of some of his most important teachings. And in that, we get some insight into what fasting is and, and what kind of some insight into fasting. And from that passage, I just want to point out two quick things. The first thing is that Jesus assumed that those who would follow him would fast. It was just the assumption that he made as he was talking. He, does, he, says, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. And there's a distinction between those two things, right? When he says, when you fast, assuming that you will fast, not if you fast or when you, if you choose to fast, but he just says, when you do it. He's assuming that this will take place. And then similarly, the second point that I would want to make clear to us is that fasting was to be the, the norm for those who followed Jesus, not the, not the abnormal. He says to them, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and, and to show others. He says, you know, wash your face and put oil on your head, like, like clean yourself up. Don't, don't make it noticeable that, you're, that you are fasting. And for a good reason, because Jesus was teaching that fasting was to be a way of life that was natural not noticeable. It was just to be a, a part of, of how they, they walked in, in the way of Jesus. And so it wasn't this outstanding or abnormal or out of the, norm, the norms of life type of thing, but it was something that was just natural for them. And you see, while fasting for us might not be something that we do often or it might not be part of our rhythm of formation or our rhythm of life, it was for those 
in the ancient, who were ancient followers of Jesus. It was part of their way. It was part of their practice. By the time that, that Jesus would arrive on the scene, the, the Jewish people of that day, including Jesus himself, they, would, they were regularly practicing fasting twice a week on Tuesdays and on, or sorry, on Mondays and on Thursdays. It was just their regular practice. And then the early Christians, they would actually continue this practice in their own way of following Jesus. And, and then they would continue to take this very seriously. In the Didache, which is one of our earliest writings from Christian writers apart from the New Testament, the fasting was commanded to happen on Wednesdays and, and Fridays. And even the, the practice of, of Lent, which we have talked about over the last few years, which is this six weeks leading up to Easter, where we, where we usually we stop uh, eating chocolate, maybe drinking Coke or, or watching Netflix. It, it originally was this 40-day this fast, where they would fast from food from, from waking until, until sunset. It was, it was more of a, of, a, of a food fast than just giving up some other things. And here's the thing that we see in, in all of this, is that in the life of Jesus and in the history of the church, the early church, there were both regular one-day fasts, like these, these moments where they would just fast for a day from, from morning until sundown, but then they would have these kind of ongoing fasts, these fasts that would last maybe two days or four days or seven days or, or even 40 days that were maybe for a greater purpose or for a different reason. There were just a few different ways that these fasts might look. And now all of this, all of this fasting, it actually lasted for, for thousands of years or well over a thousand years until, until it started to, to die down, until it started to slow down, until we reach the point now where it it's actually feels a little bit more abnormal when we see others fasting or we know of, of others who are fasting or when we even try to fast ourselves. It moved from what was normal and, and assumed to what is maybe abnormal and unexpected for us. So as we talk about fasting today, I want to just maybe hit a few really practical th things that might answer some of the questions you have, and then we're going to kind of jump into the, the why behind fasting. So let me just answer a few questions, because as you're coming in, if, if this is new or maybe even a practice you have not participated in much, you might have questions. I mean, the first is, is what is fasting? Like, what is fasting exactly? Well, what we can understand from it as we read it in, in Scripture and what we see the, how it was practiced in the early church and beyond is that it's abstaining from food in some significant way in order to offer ourselves to God. Now, when I talk about fasting, or I've done this myself and I've heard other people talk about fasting, sometimes I'll say and others will say, I'm, I'm going to fast from, from Netflix. I'm going to fast from, from Coke. I'm going to fast from... <laughs> cheap cheeseburgers, whatever it is you're going to choose to fast from, but it is often times some of these things that we're just abstaining from an activity or abstaining from something that we're, we're trying to not do quite so much. And all of those things are, are well and good, and honestly, they're a super important and valuable part of our discipleship, being able to cut back on some of the things that are distracting us and, and maybe aren't the best things for us. But, but that's not the, the type of fasting that's described in the New Testament. See, fasting at its most basic is not eating food in some significant way to offer ourselves to Jesus. Now, I realize that the idea of fasting from, from food and in this conversation, it can uh, begin to just stir up all sorts of reactions, maybe emotions, maybe fears, questions, doubts. A whole host of, of things might be welling up inside of us as, we, as we're considering this and as we're hearing 
this. And I think that's, that's okay. I think it's important for us to recognize the way that we are responding to the, the invitation to, to fast. And that we want to uh, understand that as Jesus is, is approaching us and inviting us into this thing, that there's no right or wrong starting point for this. That this is an invitation that Jesus is offering. And I believe when he says, you know, come and, and follow me in, in fasting, he's, he's saying something that I, that I shared a few weeks ago, that if, if this is where you are at, then, then this is where you will start. You know, if, if, we've, if any of us have had some disordered desires or disordered relationship with food, and I would say probably 99% of us at some point have, like these, these are questions that might be, we might need to wrestle with. It might become part of our starting point as we begin to enter into that. And, and actually, I want to point you to a, a resource that, um, that practicing the way that's kind of the, some of the stuff that we're using where we're talking about these formation practices, they, they've put out a podcast. It's called the Rule of Life Podcast. And it's, I know some of you have listened to it. We've been pushing it out to you when we've talked about Sabbath and we've talked about prayer. And they've, they'll do four podcasts on fasting. And I would encourage you to listen to those for sure. But there's one by, at the end, it's kind of this bonus episode by Dr. Allison Cook, where she goes in and, and begins to talk about some of the challenges in fasting for those who maybe just have a lot of internal conflict that is stirred up when the idea of, of not eating is suggested. So I'd encourage you to, to check out that resource. We'll push it out and, and put it on our, on our website and, and make that available as well. But I think for us, the, the idea is to remember that, um, that Jesus is inviting us and that there's really no wrong place to start. Like where you are at is where Jesus will meet you, and it's where he will start with you. And we'll make some of that more clear as we go on. So maybe the next question would be this. So how long, how long do you fast, or how long do, do we fast? Well, there's no commandment related to that. There's no like specific, like you have to fast from here to here, you have to fast for this many days. And there's no real clarity, so that's kind of an open invitation. Some of the most common periods of time would be just that, what I described earlier, like from when you wake up and, until like your evening meal. And often they say until sun goes down, but I, I imagine that the sun went down a little bit earlier there than it did here in summer. So like fasting from when you wake until like 6 is different than fasting from you wake until 9.30, right? So that idea of like fasting from when you wake up until the evening meal is kind of just the standard. But sometimes people will fast for a full 24 hours. Sometimes they will fast from, for two days or four days or, or, or more. There's, there's different lengths of time that, that you could consider. But we'll, we're going to start, again, small. I think that's probably wise advice to start with where you're at. Start with what feels attainable and doable so that you don't just experience failure and, and you just want to quit. Because the hope in all of this... I just want to help make you help all of us to understand this, that the hope in all of this is not just simply to get you to, to fast like one time and hate it, right? Just to, have, just to fast and be like, then that was the, the worst. But rather the hope is that we find a way that we make this practice of fasting, this rhythm of fasting, a, a part of the way that we actually follow Jesus together. If, for those of you that have been a part of Journey Church for a while, you know that in, in the years past we've done a five-day fast. And in that five-day fast, again, there was varying levels of degree, an open invitation to how you would approach that. Some people, they just fasted from a meal each of those five days. Some would fast from other things, you know, like, again, from like Netflix or, or whatever. Some people fasted from food for you know, one or two days. And some people fasted for the entire time. Like, they just didn't eat. They just drank water or juice or, or broth or whatever. And, and, I, and 
I found that fast to be very significant in my own walk and faith life with Jesus. And yet, at the same time, after I would do that five-day fast, I wouldn't touch fasting with a 10-foot pole for like another year until we came back to it again. Because it was, it was significant, but it was hard. And I feel like although it was a wonderful thing to put into place and into practice, it didn't equip me and it didn't equip us to establish this regular rhythm of encountering Jesus and laying ourselves before Jesus in the practice of fasting. And so that's why we're starting small with this, so that we can actually week by week grow in this practice as we begin to just make it a part of of our, our rhythm. And so it doesn't feel overwhelming or impossible, but you can start where you're at so that you can find some success and you can still meet Jesus in it. And then maybe the next time you try that, it, you just try a, a little bit more. If you, you start this week with, I'm just going to skip my mid-morning snack. And then the next week, you, I'm going to skip breakfast. And then next week, maybe I, I breakfast and lunch. Like, there's, there's no right or wrong way to do that. I think Jesus' invitation is just come and, and meet with me and, and I, will, I will walk with you, however that, whatever those next steps look like so the next question would be well the last one was how long do you fast i'm not sure if i said when do you fast or how long do you fast but the next question is like when do you fast and it's fasting is again it's not a command so that's up to you like when you decide to fast like what day of the week is up to you but in in scriptures and and in church history we see that there were kind of two different ways of of approaching fasting one was was approaching fasting out of rhythm and then the other was approaching fasting out of response so the rhythm would be like what we were describing like where you would maybe fast on on wednesdays and fridays or maybe you would just fast on on wednesdays so it's it's just this rhythm that you're building into your life it just becomes part of the natural way that it works how jesus described when he assumed that they would fast, and it just would become a natural way of following him. It's just, Wednesday's my fast day, and that just becomes the rhythm. The other idea is, is the idea of fasting as response, when like something tragic happens in, in your nation or, or in your family, or there's just something that there's grief or, or there's loss, or maybe there's something that you want to like pray into specifically, and you're like, I'm going to respond by, by fasting. We see this throughout Scripture. In 1 Samuel 31, we, when King Saul dies, the entire nation fasts for seven days. In Jonah chapter 3, when Nineveh is is warned of the coming destruction, the king calls for a citywide fast, and they they were spared. In Esther chapter 4, when the Hebrew people are threatened with genocide, Queen Esther calls for a three-day fast, and and they are saved. These are examples of of fasting out of response. So there are two different kind of answers to the when do you fast, out of maybe a rhythm or out of response, and maybe both, right? So then the last question before we get to the why is, do we fast together or do we fast alone? Well, the answer to that is, is both, really. I mean, it, fasting is, is a very individual thing, but it's not something we have to keep a secret from other people. I mean, we, I think we often misunderstand what Jesus was saying in, in Matthew chapter 6 in that he was really cautioning people from elevating themselves by letting people know that they were fasting. When you make a big deal of it, and when you're walking around, and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry because I've been fasting all day, and, and you're like just trying to make a big deal so that other people know, like that would be probably not the best idea. But to walk with others while you're fasting, to be in community with other people while you're fasting, to have the support and the prayers and the encouragement of other people who are walking that same path with you while you are fasting, that is a good idea. One of my favorite 
Proverbs, it's not a proverb from the Bible, it's an African proverb, and I've said it often, is that if you want to go fast, then, then go by yourself. But if you want to go far, then go together. And fasting is one of those places. If you just want to push through and, and you know, grind through, like you, can, you can do that on your own. But if you want to build this practice of relating to and being with and, and following Jesus by utilizing the, the practice of, of fasting, then there's a lot of value in, in doing that with others and including others in that. No worries. The last question is, is the why question. So why would we fast? Like, why would we put ourselves through this? Why, I mean, we kind of get, maybe get a glimpse into some of those things. But there's, there's a number of, of reasons why we would fast. And we're going to actually talk about four of them over these four weeks. The first is to offer ourselves to Jesus. The second would be to grow in holiness. The third would be to amplify our prayers. And the fourth would be to stand with the poor. But it really at the heart of this fasting practice is this desire for us to offer ourselves to Jesus. As I said, the early Christians, they continued this practice of fasting. They kind of took the practice of fasting that the Jewish people did on Mondays and Thursdays and, and they started to fast. And, but this, and I said that they practiced fasting on, on Wednesdays and, and Fridays. So it was a shift from Mondays and Thursdays to Wednesdays and Fridays. And, but I didn't say why. The why is because they began to fast on, the day, on Wednesday because that was the day that Jesus was betrayed. And then they began to fast on Friday because that was the day that Jesus was crucified. They were taking this practice of fasting and it allowed it to impact their, their body, their, their response to the things that Jesus did. They were allowing it to, to impact them, not just in, in their minds or, or in their hearts, but in their, their bodies as well. The early disciples, they were getting in touch, really at, the, at a bodily level with what the New Testament writers would call the participating in the sufferings of, of Christ. And we've probably heard that phrase before. And through fasting, like they were intentionally adopting the pattern offered by Jesus of dying and rising, death to self, followed by life in God. Through the practice of fasting, they were putting into practice Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. This life I now live in the body, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. It's this tangible expression of, of surrender, of offering ourselves to them. And not um, simply out of a hate for the body or, out of, or a desire to, to fight against pleasure, but out of a deep desire for Jesus, out of a deep desire to be with him and to become like him. See, this is the ultimate reason for fasting, hunger for Jesus and for his transformation. Fasting has been called a, a whole body hungering for God. In fact, Scott McKnight, when he talks about fasting in, in a book that, that he wrote, he says he calls fasting body talk. He calls it a way of praying with your body, like, of saying to God, God, I hunger for you. God, I, I want you. God, I need you. God, I, I offer myself to you. I mean, think back to what we read in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 this morning, where it says, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and, and proper worship. And note Paul's word choice in this. He says, offer your bodies. 
not just your heart. That word bodies in Greek is, is soma, and it means your whole person, including your body. You see, when asked what is the greatest command, or what was the greatest commandment when Jesus was asked that, he said, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, and with all your strength, which includes the, the body as well. This means our discipleship to Jesus takes seriously the body as well as the mind and the heart. We often forget that Jesus came in, in a physical body, this, this, in, this incarnate man, this God-man. His body was real. His body was just like ours. And the body is where our discipleship to Jesus becomes real. We're following Jesus. It's not just an, an idea. It's not just an emotion. It's not just what's going on in, a, in my head or a feeling, but it's a, it's a tangible practice or what Jesus would call a way of life. I like how John Mark Comer describes this when he says, one way to think about discipleship is as a disciplined attempt to get the teachings of Jesus into your body, into your neurobiology, or what we call muscle memory, so that when confronted with various situations, his teachings just come out of you without even thinking about it. And fasting is one of the best ways for us to get the, the teachings of Jesus planted and, and seeded and, and rooted in our bodies. If we go back to Romans 12:1, where it says, we offer our whole persons, including our bodies, to Jesus in view of, of God's mercy, which means that, that we do this for him, for Jesus, because of all that he has done for us. We give up food because he gave up everything. We offer our body in devotion because he gave his body for our salvation. You see, we fast for all sorts of reasons. But the primary reason we fast is, is not to get something from Jesus, but to offer ourselves to Jesus. This is what Paul would call worship or our love, our affection, and our devotion. And here's the thing that, that we've already said and that we'll probably maybe come back to occasionally, is that, is that Jesus assumed, again, that his disciples would fast, but he never commanded fasting. And neither did the apostles. They all fasted, but they never laid down like this, Here's, you have to do this here and now way. Because the reality is, is, is you don't have to fast. You are not required to fast, but you are invited to. Jesus, the beginning of, of his ministry, he fasted, and then he came and said, come, follow me. Let me invite the, the worship team to, to come back up. And as they do, I want to invite you to just maybe resettle in your, your seats for just a moment, maybe sit up or uncross your legs or close your Bibles or just kind of raise your, your bodily awareness this morning. Because this morning I want to offer a to you a prayer that you could take with you throughout your week or maybe specifically on the days that, that you would choose to step into the invitation to fast and where, again, wherever that starting point might be. And the prayer is this. It says, Jesus, I belong to you. I lift my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, I belong to you. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today I'd like to invite you to, to stand with me. And if you, are, if you feel so led, I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me before we close in a final song. Sorry, Dan, go back one slide to that prayer again. You can pray this with me if you want. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, I belong to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.